Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Directly to the killer, who may be in this room. Only a coward would do such a thing. What will those closest to you think of when they find out that you brutally murdered two little girls? Only a coward would do such a thing. Don't give up. Give, give us, give me one more time. Sorry if you already did, but I don't think we have heard it yet. The and I know the story has changed a couple of times, but what is Cheyenne saying? She she arrived, parked where, walked to where, and we know that at three forty nine, according to her story, she's posting a a picture online that she says she took that day. Yeah, she said she got there at two fifty. Um, originally said three fifty, but that, again, she said she got there at two fifty said that she ran into a girl she was with or knew around that had, that had gotten there about two thirty, And that girl's name is that girl's name is believed to be Cheryl Lawler. Okay. And, uh, they went to the other side of the bridge was around the bridge. She's eight, the picture was supposedly taken around three o'clock. The girl she knows goes with her. Yes. Okay. And the pic, the picture was taken around three o'clock. Well, she's on the bridge at three o'clock. How did she not hear the girls? FSG was just coming from the bridge when he saw Derek about 3.15, 3.20, said he heard a, heard a couple arguing under the bridge. Did she not hear that? She's standing right on the bridge at 3 o'clock. Yeah, and that makes absolutely no sense because she'd have a clear sight to the crime scene and she would obviously be able to hear something. She claims not to hear or see anything. I mean, she's on the, she's on the bridge in question. I mean, I don't, I don't, um, I don't understand. Sound travels usually pr- pretty well in an area like that, you know, in a hollow where there's where there's water. And FSG 
We don't know if he says he saw Cheyenne or not. He never says he said he's never said he saw Cheyenne. Okay. That doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that he didn't tell law enforcement that he saw her, but it, but as right. far as we know, he, we have no, no statement of him saying that he witnessed her or saw her and another young woman on the bridge. Right. Yeah. We only, we only know about his statement from, from Derek. What are your top five reasons to make DP the number one person of interest? Um, he's, uh, changed his story. He, uh, looks like the second sketch. He is, uh, he knew the girls. He, uh, was at the crime scene the day of the murders. Admittedly, he's again, he's, 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 he's changed stories multiple times. He, he injected himself into the case. Um, he changed his appearance, you know, and I'm going by things that, that, you know, the, uh, law enforcement said that to look out for a bridge guy, you know, so those would be, those would be the things I think that, you know, the five or six things like you asked. I agree. Him putting himself at the scene is very difficult. Uh, that's a, that's a very, that in itself is a hurdle. I mean, it, it works that way with every case, the person who finds the body, the last person to see a person, those are always suspects. Uh, and you lump those two in with the same high probability that you would a boyfriend, a husband, or anybody on their inner circle. So that that's of interest. He's there. We, yep. we you know, uh, by his own words, he is there. And then we have someone else who says he was there as well. Sounds like we're questioning her information, but be that as it may, it sounds like he, he was there. Second, yes, his story changing is, is difficult. Why, why put yourself there and then change your story unless it was necessary to, uh, you know, keep, keep some kind of false story going. But I do um, want to throw out that eyewitnesses are known to lie to law enforcement if they need to protect themselves. And if he was at that park or meeting somebody at that park to to have an affair, to me, that's reason to believe that, that somebody would lie to law enforcement. Possibly. but And I get what you're saying, Captain. You're, you're absolutely right about that. But my my hunch here would be if if behind closed doors they thought that they're questioning his story, they're going to say, look, we're investigating a double homicide here. We don't care if you were down there smoking a doobie or uh, meet hooking up with some girl on the side. We don't, we need to know what actually happened yeah, flicky, flicky. and why you were there. Because if not, then you're, you're, you're at the top of our list. And that's where I go. And I, and I agree with you, Skip, I, I 100% where it does appear. And I'm going off of the words that were used by Doug Carter uh, in the April 2019 press conference. According to what he's saying, they were absolutely shifting gears. They had shift gears sometime before that press conference. And uh, now they were happy to announce it to the world, specifically to the killer himself. So you're right. Something had to have happened or they went down the wrong path, misguided, misled at some point early in the vest investigation, or at least prior to April, uh, 2019 where, where I have, um, qu more questions is that the, the things that the things that could lead you to DP even early on, they're all there for you. 
it's not difficult. If, if what, if what we're saying or what we're speculating is in fact true, it's not difficult to see a connection here. Uh, he, he knows one of the victims on Facebook says he knows the victims maybe personally or acquaintances or somehow lives, lives near there. He's, he's there and, and he has a person that's supposedly with him that we don't know who that person is. We can't, we, nobody, we don't have any information stating that there was an actual person with him. I, what I'm getting at is, and I, and I get what everybody's saying about the small town factor, but this, I mean, Delphi city police have been involved. Carroll County has been involved. The sheriff's department, they, Lesenby claims that they're the lead on the, on the case. If you had to pick one, but ISP is there and the FBI are there very, very quickly. And the FBI and, I don't think even Indiana state police are going to get bamboozled by somebody that's well to do in a, in a little town. You know, we've had uh, early on in this investigation per Doug Carter, his words are that over 150 officers have touched this case in some form or fashion. And that's throughout the state of Indiana. Uh, the other thing I want to ask you about skip is the, um, this was new information to me. Uh, you, you said GBI was involved in the investigation. Correct. Yeah. In 2018. And clarify, I'm not questioning that. I just had not heard it. Tell the listeners and me why GBI was involved again, because that's, that's the, the, I'm assuming you're talking about the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Yes, that's correct. Um, it's not unusual for law enforcement to bring in another group of, as for a peer review. If they are, if they're just, if the case is not developing like they thought, and uh, just a fresh set of eyes. They brought them in for that. And it wasn't, like I said, they came in and did, did uh, looked at it, looked at it from like it was a brand new case, looked at everything from the beginning, you know, left. And uh, not long after that, then that's when the press conference was, when they changed gears. Uh, so I think, yeah, my point is, is that if they came in with fresh set of eyes and, and they, may, they may have taken the bias out of the investigation that, Hey, you guys have been looking for the wrong guy because you're looking for RSOs and serial killers, and you're looking for the guy that what you think uh, he looks like in this video, and 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 in this sketch. When the fact is, he may not be, you know, and and uh, that's well, why that's why that's uh, they. I don't know how exactly how long they were there or were involved with it. Um, I just know it was in in. 2018 and maybe up until even early 2019, but that it's not unusual to bring somebody in like that. The one thing that did change though, for the state of Indiana, not just for this investigation, but others, I believe it was in 2018 that the state started collecting, uh, those convicted of a felony connect, uh, collecting their DNA. Yeah, and so and that's one thing that I think is a little unclear as far as the nationwide concept of what's going on in Delphi and the investigation itself is, you know, people keep saying, well, if they've got DNA, why didn't they pick up their guy? They, he, you know, he would be one, he has to be in a certain database, right? It, like, it's not just uh, if, if you have DNA, but nothing to match it to, you're not going to find the person. That you don't you don't punch it into your DNA machine and it spits out a name that says, "Oh, you want to go look for the crispy colonel? He's somewhere in Columbus, and here's his phone number." That's not 
the way it works. They, they get a DNA profile and if there's nothing to match it to, there's nowhere to go. And yeah, one thing that, that definitely changed from, from the information I've collected and I, you know, I'm, I'm fallible like anybody else, but, uh, this in 2018 is when they made that mandatory that if you're convicted of a felony in the state of Indiana, you submit your DNA. So if bridge guy, whoever he may be has a felony or uh, sexual assault or anything that, you know, rape, uh, something, uh, in the state of Indiana prior to killing the two girls on in 2017, he likely isn't in their dat any of their databases. Yeah. And one thing law enforcement said also is that, you know, it appears this guy hasn't committed any crimes. So that tells, right. me, that tells me that maybe the evidence they have with the partial fingerprint or the DNA doesn't have enough markers. Maybe they don't have enough to identify. Maybe they, maybe they have enough to rule out, but not identify. Right. And you have, because you have multiple agencies working this case and yes, they're working hand in hand and they're working together. And I, and I do think that they've done a lot of good work, even though we sit here and, and speculate as to who may have done this and why it's not been solved all these years later. You know, you have one agency that says, yeah, we do have fingerprints and we do have DNA in this case. Uh, but then when another agency is interviewed, they're a little more clear saying, yeah, I've, we do have that. We just don't know if it's suspect DNA or suspect fingerprints. We know that we have fingerprints and DNA that does not belong to Abby or Libby that was found at or near the, where we found the bodies. Uh, we just, we can't say until somebody's arrested and charged, we can't say if it belongs to the killer or not. Yeah. And I think, again, I think the time frame plays a lot into that about when, when that question was answered, because I think they were a little more forthcoming early on. But I think once they once they realize that this guy has this guy follows the case may, is involved maybe in social media, including forums and things that about the case, listens to stuff like this. I think that's when when that's when they decided to shut it down because they didn't want they didn't they didn't. I think they believe that he has been doing that all along, and was possibly the reason for changing stories is because. He he was getting information that they were putting out and changing to whatever you know fit him you know was whatever was to his benefit. So they shut all. They decided they just shut all the information down. And I don't blame. And and going back to you know law enforcement, I think they've done a great job. I think I know there's a lot of people out there who say, oh, law enforcement doesn't have anything, and and they've done a terrible job. They screwed it up totally. I don't think that at all. Uh, do I think a mistake was? I think yeah. I think. I think a mistake. They've admitted. Tobe said mistakes have been made. We we you know, try to rush to to solve this. He also said that they didn't identify an individual as a suspect early on. To me, that's, that's a pretty talking, telling statement. Yeah, that's basically saying that we identified them as something else other than a suspect. Exactly. Well, and to to really kind of credit the work that they've been doing. You know, we did say, or Skip, you said they may have been told by GBI, "Hey, you've been you've been looking in the wrong direction. You've been looking for a serial killer or a serial offender or uh, sexual predator." And uh, but but to to be clear and to to credit 
ISP and those involved, they didn't seek out Daniel Nations. Daniel Nations, he came onto their radar because of, you know, violent illegal activities that he has uh, been doing. And then they're going, oh, by the way, he was he was here uh, at that time and, and should be somebody that should be uh, definitely looked at. And I I one thing that I really get a little angry about uh, in this case and some people's perception of the investigation itself. I've heard several people talk about Tobe Lesenby, like he's some kind of Don Knotts sheriff out of uh, Mayberry. And that's not the vibe I get at all. I've uh, I've, I get their County newspaper. He has a a weekly column in there that discusses different uh, pieces and parts of law enforcement and the job that they do as sheriffs, as the, the protectors of Carroll County. Uh, he's very much dialed in. I, I wish people would, would open up their minds a little bit. And, um, I, Tobe Lesenby to me comes off skip and maybe you'll agree with me. And I, I know the captain does, but he comes off to me as somebody that wants to say more to the public about the case, the evidence and the investigation. But in being respectful with the people and agencies that they have partnered with in this investigation, I think he's politely holding back. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent. I think I always think about the, the, uh, the statement he made about, you know, I know that voice. Who is that? You know, um, Mm -hmm. that was that to me, that was, uh, it seemed like he wanted to say more there. You know, I think whether it's, whether it's saying things, debate this guy or, or whatever it is, I agree with you. I think, uh, uh, I, I, and I just don't understand the people who say, you know, who, who rip law enforcement for, um, they got, if it, listen, look, if they got, if they got led astray by somebody and there's, uh, that's not the worst thing that's ever happened. I can promise you, you know, and they, and that's why, again, I go back to Carter saying at the 2009 press conference that we're just beginning. I think that they realized that all that stuff they had learned was all based on false information. Um, and so going forward, Here's our new guy. Here's the car we believe he was in. We believe he's definitely local, and that go and that and that's in de- in, in direct contrast with what they what they said originally. You know, I mean, why would you be putting billboards all over the country if you thought the guy was local? They were just looking for the wrong guy. Now, why was that? I think I know, but other people have you know other people have opinions as well. But they were de- they were looking for the wrong guy. And now they're now I believe they they zeroed in on who they on who they should be. Well, and I think that there was a chance that they were you know with the um, the the businesses and the the traffic through that area would lead them to because when when you've worked, let's say you've worked in Carroll County law enforcement your whole adult career, a child abduction murder is one half of one percent of the homicides each year in this country that very rare. So most, most law enforcement, uh, officers and even an agency as a whole, you could have a 20, 30 year career and never experience it, never be involved in an investigation like that. And if, you know, if I woke up tomorrow and there never was another child abduction homicide ever again, praise God. But, um, it's, it's a rare crime. And I think that your the gut reaction of most people, regardless of 
Delphi, Carroll County, Indiana, or Columbus, Ohio, the Florida Panhandle, or Texas, or California, regardless of where you're talking about, other than like New York City or Los Angeles or Chicago, most people, the gut reaction is it it had to be somebody that came in and did this to us, did this to one of us and left. And you're exactly right. I mean, it was the next day, as soon as they knew, as soon as they found the girls at noon and the, the, the release from police has always been, we knew, we knew very quickly. Their words were very quickly. I have to believe you could replace that with immediately that this was a homicide. And what backs that up is that within that hour, three, three uh, roadblock checkpoints are set up at least three that I've found where they're interviewing drivers and passengers and stopping vehicles. And one of the statements they had was that that day they uh, spoke to at least 600 people in cars. Yeah. And you're right. And, and they were looking for someone that would want to leave the area that may not, may have just came into the area days before. Now, uh, one thing that we've not touched on on True Crime Garage yet, and we've covered this case a bunch, and Skip, again, thank you for your time today talking with us about this case again, is in regards to that nationwide manhunt, which until the guy's caught, it's always going to be a nationwide manhunt. But in regards to those billboards, one thing that I found incredibly interesting was that on on the billboards that were first put up, of the picture of, of bridge guy. And one thing we, I, I like to underline too, when we talk about the, the picture of bridge guy, that is the best photo. That is the best video that they have of bridge guy. So to think otherwise is, is silliness, but they were posting the picture of bridge guy on these billboards. And early on, it said, you know, do you know this man last seen February 13th, 2017, 2.30 p.m., which I find to be incredibly interesting because we know the Snapchat photo was posted. There were two. Captain asked if they were, you know, if, if they were taking more photos or whatnot. Police would know that. They found Libby's yeah, phone and they, they've that. analyzed it. The that. family would know that, but that that has never been released, so we people just speculate about that. And, and so we know that she posted two photos and the stamp that we get on those is 2.07 p.m. And they would know, based off of the video, from finding her phone and analyzing the phone, when the video was taken. And we've already said, based off of uh, technology, what, what it tells us in regards to the sun and the, the bridge and the shadows and whatnot, it's believed that the abduction of the girls took place between 2.20 and 2.40 p.m. that afternoon. Very interestingly enough, those billboards say 2.30 p.m. I almost have to wonder, is is the timestamp on that video or on her phone of that video 2.30 p.m. when he's last seen on the video? Because the other statement we have is from, I believe it's from Anna, who is uh, Abby's uh, mother, that says, you know, Becky, Mike, and Anna watched they were allowed to watch and hear the video. And Anna says that she could hear audio after there was, she could no longer see anything. So at some point that video goes, it goes dark. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's just recording blackness. Maybe it's, you know, darkness. maybe Libby's holding it right up against her leg. Maybe she put it in a pocket um, as Bridge Guy got closer. But there was audio that could be heard. And that's where we get the down the hill from as well. So I wonder if that video is, and they, they put 2.30 p.m. because they that's the timestamp of that video. That's a, that's a good point. Um, it would make sense, you know, cause when the, the, uh, uh picture was uh, put up at two Oh seven, they weren't all the way across the bridge. Mm-hmm. I think they were about maybe two thirds or about halfway. So it would have taken them a little, t- and you don't see, you don't see him in the background coming yet. So it would have made sense that they would have kept walking and going back toward the end of the bridge. Cause if they were at the end of the bridge when they were filming him. Uh, so that would make sense time-wise also, um, makes sense. One of the reasons I said two thirty to three thirty underneath that bridge, because from what I gather from this guy who I locally, I know who said that they, that law enforcement knows that BG was around 20 minutes after Derek had gotten there. So if they know that, then they know he was around till about three thirty-five approximately. Um, say say that again, skip, say that again, that law enforcement knows he told me, there were several things he told me that that everybody wasn't privy to. One of the things was that they know law enforcement knows BG was there until 20 minutes after Derek had had gotten there. So he got there about 3:15. That puts BG there till 3:35. Now he didn't explain how they know that. I'm a guess. I'm guessing it probably had something to do with them seeing him leave at a you know because if you remember early on there was a, the law enforcement asked if anybody saw anybody walking along. Uh, the Hoosier Heartland Highway uh, that afternoon with a duffel bag. Well, yes. if you parked at the CPS building, and if you even if you left the bridge and went through the woods and and exited there, you the 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 CPS building sits right in between Highway 300 and the Hoosier Heartland Highway. Okay, and you and you have a, it's a wide open view. So if he was walking from where the where the trees start to there and somebody saw him, that very likely could have been who they saw walking from there to the CPS building. You know, so, because they, they would have seen him, they would have thought he was walk, walking along the Hoosier Heartland Highway, but he's actually walking or coming from the woods, but that's that's somebody who, where, where somebody saw him walking. So I think that's a possibility that that's how they know uh, that time. They just put it together from how long it would take him to get from the crime scene to, to that area. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 
of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL Learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. 
Head to factormeals.com slash true crime garage 50 and use code true crime garage five zero to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code true crime garage 50 at factormeals.com slash true crime garage five zero to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. And Skip, you know the witnesses or the people that were there better than than I do. So while we have you on the phone here, I want to make sure that I ask you this. Um, there was a statement, and this plays along what, exactly what we're talking with right now. There was a statement that I found early on that said a woman. Uh, I couldn't find much more about this. I couldn't find you know the name of this woman. But a woman who said that she saw a man leaving the cemetery that afternoon. And I, I, I've been looking through my notes here this morning trying to find if I, if I wrote down a more exact time other than that afternoon. And I, I can't find uh, a, a time that I put with that. So one thing that, you know, one thing that I found to be very interesting in this case, but I do this in every case and, but it's especially in this one, you know, we, we are analyzing what Doug Carter was saying at the 2019 press conference under a microscope, but you do that because that's not Doug Carter just getting up there and riffing, you know, that's not just him talking off the cuff. That is a, a statement that was pieced together very carefully by multiple people in a room together, agreeing on what we're going to be saying. Now we do have Carter who does later say there are a couple things that he threw in there himself, but the gen, but the basis of it is uh, a statement that was put together by the investigating collectively by the investigative agencies. Now I have to believe knowing what we know about John Douglas and the FBI and uh, things that they've done, during his career in Roy Hazelwood's career and Robert Ressler's career, that those words were probably pieced together very much with the help of the FBI or with their, at least with their advice. So when looking at words and, and how we choose to put out certain words and certain statements regarding this case, the investigation and such, the evidence to hear a woman said she saw a man leaving the cemetery that afternoon. Very interesting. And it goes back to what you were talking about with the car at the uh, CPS building. Notice the witness doesn't say she saw a vehicle or a man driving a vehicle leaving the cemetery, which we know there were parking spaces there. She says she saw a man. That to me implies single individual male individual on foot leaving the cemetery that afternoon. And just, just like you were saying, skip about the, um, they were asking for a driver, you know, they, I believe I'm going to try to get as, yeah, I'm going to try to get as close to verbatim as I can based off of memory, but they're asking, they said, if you parked 
a car there that day, or you know someone parked there that day, we want to hear from you. But they start off the statement with saying, uh, we are looking for the driver of, or if you know the driver who parked at the, which again, it, we're really we're really kind of analyzing this and, and being very suspicious about everything, but it almost sounds like we have we have there's at least some thought here that we think you may have been driving somebody else's vehicle. Yeah, the exact exact uh, statement was we're seeking the public's help to identify the driver of a vehicle that was parked at the old CPS DCS building welfare building in the city of Delphi that was abandoned on the east side of County Road 300. So yeah, they're he's they're asking yeah I agree they're you know asking about the driver so seems it seems to uh, make sense that they would know what who the car or the what the car is and who the car belongs to you know and kind of cross referencing information here with them saying we believe this person is either was either local at the time or has local ties to Delphi you almost have to wonder did somebody did somebody see a plate and it was an Indiana plate maybe they don't have the plate number. But they recall, uh, yeah, it was an Indiana license plate. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. I, and I think, I think, I find it interesting that that's the first thing they they uh, that they lead the press conference off that way. You know, it is. Of, as the as the attention getter. You know, it's well, and it's also weird. Like first impressions are everything, right? Your your first right. impression and your last impression, and it's it starts off with. With that's the information we're seeking. Oh, by the way, we're going to be giving you some more information, which is, I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be, you know, s- somebody that understands how you should deliver things in the best way to get what you want from the people you are addressing. But it almost felt like when you're releasing a new sketch and then you're releasing a, a, a little piece of a video and telling the public that you're changing directions in your investigation, I felt like. You know, the captain and I watched that press conference together when it when it went down that day. And it almost felt to me like if I would have walked out onto the streets like Family Feud and interviewed a hundred people, I feel like ninety-nine percent of them would have forgotten about the whole vehicle parked thing by the end of that press conference. Yeah, but not that suspect. Right. Yeah, that's right. the thing. I mean, who who was he who was he addressing that part to? And that's why I think maybe he was it was he was Letting the guy, hey, this this is the part that had us confused, but we figured it out. Well, and if this suspect that you're talking about, DP, is bridge guy, then he's brash. And if the rumors are true about the staging of the crime scene and some of the horrific stuff that I've heard rumored to be, you know, they say he has a shred of decency left to come forward. Maybe he doesn't, but maybe somebody, Shelby, Cheryl, or the Cheyenne, even though her stories haven't lined up, maybe they could come forward and have some piece of information. And again, law enforcement has said over and over, just one piece of information is all we need, and then we get this guy. And if you have any doubt that that you're covering for this person, if you have any thought in your head that this individual DP is responsible for these murders, you have, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to the community. You owe it to those two girls. You owe it, owe it to Abby and Libby to come forward and, and talk to police and tell them the true story. Why wouldn't you come forward? It's, I mean, it's, again, it's hard to say 
why somebody they don't come forward or whatever. Like I said, there's there's a lot of reasons. Um, it could be. I would I would suspect to at least give them the benefit of the doubt that it was probably innocent originally. They didn't realize what they were giving a an alibi for. Now I would say it's time it's time for them to uh, to come clean and uh, and tell what they tell what they know. You know. And what about DP's girlfriend? It's like again you probably have some information that you could share with law enforcement. And why aren't you doing that? One, he's saying that he was there cheating on you. So what kind of scumbag is that? And, and, and is that all you think you deserve in this world as a guy that cheats on you or a guy that lies to you? Is that all you think you deserve? Maybe you should think that you deserve better and come forward and talk to the cops and tell them what you know, because maybe you're the missing link and you owe that to yourself. To your child, you owe that to Abby. You owe that to Libby. I, I did want to, I did want to go back to clarify one thing though about about BG following the case. And I think that's because I think that's a crucial part because I think the post crime activity in this case is 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 kind of has a lot to do with where, where reason it led me to this was one of the things Carter said not too long in in a television interview not too long after the press conference he said I think the killer is following this investigation very closely said when we and then they asked him about releasing the second sketch he said when we decided that through the information we received that we were going to release the second sketch i don't believe the individual knew we were going to do that so it was really really important i think he was probably there or watching simply because he thought we were on the wrong path i mean carter i mean he's basically telling you what you need to know there i mean he's basically saying the killer thought they why would the killer think they're on the wrong path Hmm? Yeah, because maybe because really, maybe because he led them, maybe because he led them down the wrong he, path. Because, because he pointed them in that direction. Right? <laughs> I mean, you mentioned you mentioned earlier, Nick, that some things seem simple. There are things about this case that that, that are very simple, but there's also it's also very complex in the in the in the uh, I think in the post crime uh, stuff that's going on with all the inf- misinformation and and misdirection uh, and false stuff that's been put out there, and I think. Most of the stuff you've seen out there has been kind of orchestrated. I don't think it's just been by chance of people, random people following the case. I think there's uh, look, the, the guy did a good job for two years of keeping it, keeping them off his trail, off, off his tail, off his trail. They, they, it's uh, now that they're on it, maybe maybe he's trying to do it through social media. Yeah, you, what you're saying is, uh, I'll expand on that a little bit to to kind of fill in some of the blanks there. But what you're saying overall is that we would be foolish to believe that at some point BG is not, is not only listening, reading, watching what he can find on TV and on the internet or these garage podcasts, whoever would be dumb enough to do one of those, but um, (laughs) that he's not only doing that, but he could actively be throwing in weird statements, uh, posting things like, one of the victims was pregnant. You know, there was this found at the crime scene or one of the searchers said they saw this right. that day. Uh, he could throw any of these things. If, if he, if what you are saying is correct, skip. And you know, people, some people are going to listen to this and they're going to, they're not going to like you. They're not going to like me or the captain for having this conversation. But the one reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you and I hadn't spoke with you until, till right now, until today was, the theory was interesting on its face, and it remains interesting after I speak with you 
not just because of the points that you've brought up and the the interesting angles and things that you presented here, but also you are not one of these you're not one of these crazies that go, this is what happened, I know it all, this is how it went down, and not willing to believe anything else. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like talking with you today. And, and I appreciate you for being that way because so many people with this case and other cases have decided for whatever reason, they know exactly what happened and you can't tell them otherwise. And anybody that says otherwise is a complete idiot. And I like to remind those people that if you were right, then then why is it not solved? We won't know until it's solved. And there's no harm in having these conversations and doing these types of exercises when something is not solved. There's no nothing wrong with looking at things th- from a different angle, under a different light from time to time, and just asking the question, why? And you've done a great job of, of coming up with this theory and, and, and piecing it together. Um, well, and it's a pretty simple idea. If you claim that you're there and then your story has changed multiple times, then what is the reason for lying? And by definition, this eyewitness should then turn into a suspect. This eyewitness should turn into a person of interest. And when you look at this case for the last four years, every person of interest that has brought been brought to the table, no matter what crime they did or didn't do, what you could never prove with any of those persons of interest is that they were there the day uh, that they were there that day at that bridge at that time frame uh, and were capable of, uh, of those murders. Yeah. There, there's a lot of stuff that we hadn't had a chance to go over just because of time, but, but um but like we've talked about before, like having you be available to people on the blog. Absolutely. I'd be, I'd be happy to answer any questions, fill people, fill people in on any uh, gaps they have. And just, and there's, like I said, there's more nuance obviously in a case like this. And then, um, and we were able to talk about today, you know, I agree with, with the captain about, you know, the basic things there about, you know, why do you lie to law enforcement? Why do you, you know, law enforcement tells us that, this guy's following the case and they tell us that, that there was a change in change in reason for the change and all that. So there's a lot, there's a lot out there. And like I said, it is simple, but it's complex. You know, we didn't talk about things like motive and all that kind of stuff, but uh, you know, it's uh, hopefully the, hopefully the right person will hear uh, and hopefully the p- right person will, will change their mind on what they think's the, the right thing to do. Well, and you know, with other cases uh Todd Kolhep, for instance, he went into Superbike, gunned down a bunch of people, killed them. Later, he took a uh, hostage, killed the uh, hostage's boyfriend or husband, and he was he was a felon before that. He was a convicted felon before that. Well, everything I just mentioned to you are crimes that involved handguns and firearms, and and he should not have had those. And we said on our show when we covered his case. You know, it would be why is law enforcement not pursuing the person that gave him or sold him these guns in some backwoods deal because he's not allowed to to own them. That person has some accountability in Cole Hep's crimes. And it was probably it, of course, it wasn't at our doing. We didn't have anything to do with it. We're two two guys in a garage. But 
it was months later, eight months later, they arrested the person that sold them the guns. Here in this situation, you have the same thing. If there is somebody that is providing this false alibi or false narrative for having seen things or or not seen things on that day in February in 2017, you need to come clean with that now because there will be an aftermath. This bridge guy will be identified, caught, and convicted. And when that happens, you're the next one. Your, your butt's on the fire next. So you're fine now. Yeah, I know you probably are sitting here listening to this going, what do you mean I'm fine? It's been four years, Nick. No, you're fine now because they don't know who BG is. As soon as they know who he is, that's when, you're, that's when your feet will be held to the flames. So go tell them what you know now, or if you, if you made something up, or if you just wanted to be a part of it because it's something and you want to be something, there's, yes, it's, a, it's embarrassing. Yes, there is some shame that comes along with that. But at the end of the day, you can know that you did the right thing and you can know that you, you, do, you no longer can be held accountable because you've, you've, you've said what the truth is. Now, Skip, I don't want to get into any details, but again, my own curiosity and kind of piecing together where I think what your overall story would be. I've always believed and I, and I still do and, and will until we, until we have all the answers that this was a sexually motivated abduction. And I want to leave it at that. I want to be very clear about my thoughts that I, I've always believed that this was a sexually motivated abduction. It sounds to me like you without, again, without getting into details and going f- too far down any roads here, other avenues, it sounds to me like you feel this was a little more targeted. At least one of the victim was uh, was a, a target, and this possibly was a personal cause homicide. Yes, and, and and the other victim may just be collateral damage. Unfortunately, yeah, sad. Okay. It really is. What's well, sad? Both, both, but of course, yes. Yeah, I think I think you know a lot of people. Obviously, a lot of people are, are following this case, and there's a lot of web sleuths. And I think a lot of a lot of those people have gotten things right. I think there's a drug component here. I think there's a, a revenge component, but I don't think they're exact. They, they're exactly the aspects of what people think they are. Unfortunately, this may fall back, come back, fall back on a family member in terms of not that they were involved in the crime at all. The source of this personal vendetta may have originated there. And I think that's unfortunate. I hope that doesn't go into have anything to do whether this crime is solved or not. But yeah, I think I think it's more. I do think it's uh, there. There is a drug component, like I said, and a and a revenge aspect. But it but it's more personal than that. Join our discussion if you have questions for Skip. He will be available. He'll be answering questions on our blog all week. So make sure if you have any questions about the information he's putting out, you can ask him there at truecrimegarage.com. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading for this week? This week, Captain, we are recommending Alligator Candy by David Kushner. This is from award-winning journalist and regular contributor to Rolling Stone magazine, David Kushner gives us Alligator Candy, a memoir about family, survival, and the unwavering power of love. In 1973, David's older brother was murdered, and decades later, 
David found himself unsatisfied with his memories of this tragic life-defining moment. So he decided to revisit the episode through the eyes of a reporter. This is one of the best books that I've read in a while. It's available in all forms, but the audio version with a brilliant performance by Bronson Pinchot is particularly good. Check out Alligator Candy by David Kushner. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't let Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.